It's been more than 10 years since Congress officially authorized the concept of community installation partnerships. Now we call those intergovernmental service agreements or IGSAs. Early partnerships often focused on shared services, such as utilities or transportation. There are still a lot of those agreements going into place all the time, but the military services are looking beyond that to, to more innovative ways to use partnerships. They're looking at things like education, research, workforce development, and more. Welcome to America's Defense Communities, the podcast. I'm Randy Ford. On this episode, we're going to talk with leaders from the Army and the Air Force about the future of these partnerships across all the services. Later, we'll hear from the Air Force about some of its successful partnerships, including those at smaller bases or in more remote areas. But first, Rachel Jacobson, the Assistant Army Secretary for Installations, Energy, and Environment, sat down with us in Orlando during ADC's Installation Innovation Forum. We talked about housing and climate resilience too, but I started by asking her where Secretary Jacobson sees the ICSA partnership program going in the future. Congress has given us the authority to use all these partnerships to create all these innovative solutions to many of our problems. I think it's a recognition that we can't just do it alone, uh, particularly when it comes to a lot of the work on our installations. So these partnerships for energy projects, for natural resource management, and for a whole host of other functions help us leverage our appropriated dollars, and usually that's a win-win for both partners. And we're now, you know, a little more than a decade past Congress formally giving that authority. Where do you think those are going to go in the next 10 years? What kind of innovations do you want to see in terms of partnership advancement? Well, I think they're going to expand. I, I really do. I think we're seeing that already. For example, most of our energy projects were probably not thinkable 10 or 15 years ago. But now, all three services have pretty ambitious goals for energy projects on site, for on site energy generation and microgrids. And those are pretty important because we recognize that without those, we don't have guaranteed energy in case the power grid goes down off base. So I see, I see those expanding significantly. And also, particularly with Army, we have the land and the capacity for industry to try innovative solutions. And I think that's also going to expand. We're going to invite industry to use our Army lands under special leasing authority and for testing these innovative solutions that will also be scalable commercially, but also for Army. At the recent ADC Installation Innovation Forum, um, we honored Ivan Bolden, who's going to be retiring as the Chief of Army Partnership soon. And I know you, like many of us at ADC, um, see him as really an important player in getting that partnership concept to where it is today. What, speak, speak to that. And, and not only just the Army, but then that has been a best practice that I think has gone across the other services. It is a fantastic program, the IGSA program. It's a recognition that for certain types of services, it's much easier for us to hire local authorities than, for example, to perform it ourselves. And Ivan has championed those partnerships. He's taken that authority and he's run with it. He's made unbelievably important connections with uh, local, state and local governments, uh, universities um, that give us incredibly important uh, 
access to resources that we don't otherwise have. I mean, a couple of examples are with the state of Texas, we have a partnership. This is all services, all three services have a partnership with Texas Department of Transportation to provide all of our road maintenance. We're not in the business of maintaining roads. So by, by hiring Texas essentially to do that for us, it's a win-win. And it's gonna be much less expensive to the taxpayer in the long run by having that kind of partnership in place. And we're also partnering with state universities, for example, in natural resource management. Uh, Auburn University is, a, is going to partner with us for, and for a 10-year contract to manage natural resources at eight different army installations. So we bring their expertise to bear and it's a win-win for everybody. I want to talk just for a second about something that's on defense communities' minds, as it always is, and, and that's housing and the steps that are being taken to address some issues there. What is there an update on, on housing? Well, as you probably know, we're very focused on housing. That's both family housing, which for Army uh, in the United States anyway is run by private housing companies, and then barracks for unaccompanied soldiers. And those, but we're focused on housing writ large uh, in both of those categories. On family housing, uh, we've recently completed a pretty holistic study to look at what are the long-term investment needs for our housing inventory across the board so that we know installation by installation, housing provider by housing provider, even neighborhood by neighborhood, what are the needs and where what's the access to capital to address those needs. What are our housing deficits? How many new units do we have to build? And one thing we've done recently at Army that's pretty novel for us is we're seeking in the FY24 Defense Authorization Act, we're seeking appropriations from Congress not to give to the housing provider, but to apply to housing at certain installations where we don't see opportunities for other means of financing. With respect to barracks, we are extremely focused on barracks. We recognize from the top of the army down to every single installation, the need to make sure our soldiers have safe, comfortable, and uh, places to live that are free of hazards, uh, that have as many amenities as we can supply our soldiers. And we've made a commitment across the army that combining military construction and research, uh, uh, renovation and modernization funding and so forth and sustainment funding that we are going to spend $1.2 billion a year on our barracks to make sure our soldiers have good, high quality places to live. And I just want to ask for one more update, and that's about energy resilience and, and the things that are going on. You know, it's, it's a big lift. And also when we think about some of the timelines, 2030, 2035, it seems pretty far out, but things are going on now. Uh, movements are, are happening. What, what is the update on that? Well, for example, we already have 28 microgrids in place. We're going to be building about another 10 or so in the near term. We've got another 20 or so under development. So we're going to be on pace to complete uh, by 2035 a microgrid on every installation. And that's where the partnerships come into play. The more we do, the easier the formula, so to speak. So you know, the learning curve might be steep, but the more we do of these, uh, the faster we can get them done. And we're also recognizing the need uh, to look at alternative energy sources on our installations. We're going to do some studies on geothermal opportunities. 
And we've stood up a group, a cross-cutting group within Army to look at our options for siting a uh, either small modular reactor or a micro nuclear reactor on one or more installations, hopefully by 2030. That's our goal. Uh, and so we're looking at all of the the pieces there that need to be in place, such as regulatory, such as making sure that the technology is advanced enough, uh, looking at um, where there's opportunities where we'd have uh, states that would be supportive of that and where the installation uh, circumstances, uh, physical circumstances in particular, would be benefited from nuclear energy as well as other kinds of renewable energy. Thank you for talking with us and for your support of ADC and, and all defense communities. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That was my conversation with Rachel Jacobson, Assistant Secretary of the Army for Installations, Energy, and Environment. Back in January 2023, Jacobson and Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced the largest statewide ICSA with DOD. It authorizes the Texas Department of Transportation to support construction, purchasing, and other projects over 10 years. But not all partnerships are that large in scope. At ADC's Installation Innovation Forum, there was discussion about the kinds of partnerships happening at smaller installations or in smaller defense communities. The moderator of that panel was Rick Hearn. He's the partnership broker with the Air Force Government Partnership Program. When I got a chance to talk with him, I started by asking about successful partnerships at those more remote installations. So Altus Air Force Base, a small community in Altus, uh, Oklahoma, about the size of 18,000 people. We've got uh, Chuck Bucci, who's doing a wonderful job there, one of our Air Force um, base POCs for community partnerships. Uh, he's involved in a program called Grill Your Own Mechanic due to the shortage of the civilian aircraft mechanics uh, on the local uh, Air Force there. Air Force Base. Uh, they currently run 15 uh, students through a class. Uh, class is typically uh, 19 months long, and uh, they've got 15 students uh, going through three different classes at that point. Uh, they come out with a, uh, a PMP um, certificate, uh, FAA approved, and they're able to get directly hired into the facility uh, for $55,000 uh, starting wage. So it's really good. Another uh, big program he's got is the two big IGSAs um, working with um, Altus, and they have a uh, $400,000 refuge recycling program they're involved in, and also a ground maintenance program of $1.1 million. So we've got uh, Air Force Army Garrison, Fort Hamilton in Brooklyn, New York, uh, ran by Trevor Lowe. He's the MWR director uh, there at Fort Hamilton. Uh, he's involved in a, a myriad of different things, but one of the things that he's involved in is local entertainment to um, the local sports teams. Uh, he's involved in uh, servicing uh, colors, color guard, military appreciation, and so forth. Uh, and then there's Naval Air Sport, Naval Support Activities, Crane, uh, Indiana, uh, ran by Mark Dobbs. Mark's involved in a couple different partnerships uh, with ongoing community collaborations for installations. Uh, one is the White, White, White River Military Coordination Alliance, and then also the Southern Indiana Sentinel Landscaping Program. So again, a couple different programs that uh, our folks are involved in uh, that, that was on the panel. 
uh, small installations, small communities, big impact. So kind of highlights a few of our different areas, Randy. Thank you for sharing those examples. Those are, are great. How do people who may be listening to this who are at smaller installations or in smaller communities, what would you recommend is the first step toward creating these partnerships to reaching out and, and finding what partnerships might be available to them? So I, I think it really depends on what their need is. Uh, and we have a, a whole host of uh, different partnerships that we're tracking within our database. So if an installation has questions on uh, be it dorms or firing ranges or childcare or a myriad of different uh, questions, they can reach out to us. We have a, a listing within, a, uh, within our database that we can provide information to them and then we can potentially set up uh, calls and, and kind of answer their questions along the way. And, and if need be, uh, and if required, we can also make um, you know a little more personal trip and, and make a, a visit out to them also. Are there specific things that maybe um, are needs in these communities or these installations that that are smaller or more remote that are are different needs that you may not see somewhere in San Diego, San Antonio, or or the bigger defense communities that we think of? Are there unique needs or are they the same needs but just scaled differently? Yeah, Randy, I think they're about the same needs scale differently. Uh, in the, you know, you come across uh, a smaller community, smaller base, um, they be, they may be a little bit more flexible with, um, may be a little quicker with their decision point because there's fewer people to talk to or, or make that decision. Right. Uh, maybe a little bit more motivated as well because uh, obviously a larger installation like you had said, San Diego or San Antonio, uh, the DC area, um, it doesn't make as big a difference as it would in say a small rural area like uh, Moody Air Force Base where uh, the, the community took over a golf course uh, which, which Moody was losing money on. Uh, and then also uh, they're a little bit more united, these small installations and small communities. Uh, they pull them together for the common cause. What, again, what, what matters to them uh, makes a difference. Um, whereas a larger location, um, you know, maybe a, a drop in the bucket or may not really make a, a big difference altogether. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, thinking about even just the golf course, if if you're in one of those bigger communities, there are other golf courses, but that is something that wanted to be protected by Moody and the community. That's right. So it's an MWR situation, but it's also, uh, you know, that golf course goes away and then also goes away people's jobs. So, you know, the community stepped in, was able to save the golf course, keep it, um, you know, a activity that others can enjoy and, but also save folks' jobs too. So which is a good thing all the way around. Are there, you, you talked about how the, the kind of, maybe the bureaucracy is a little bit quicker at some of these smaller bases that, and that gives them a little more freedom to explore things that maybe would not be possible at some of the, the bigger bases. That's right. Um, whereas, you know, the, the city council or, or those within that group uh, are directly affected. They, they don't have to read about it uh, in the, the local newspaper, they're, they're potentially talking about it amongst friends or constituents. Uh, and, you know, it's, um, they may not have as much going on within their area. So those things matter and they want to get it right for, for themselves and, you know, for the future of the base. 
we don't want to necessarily talk about um, the idea of BRAC or whatnot, but they also want to, you know, be BRAC, try to, to make themselves matter, get things in line so, uh, you know, that type of thing doesn't happen or would potentially not happen with them as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's still, no matter the size of the community, there's still that rallying to make sure that readiness is shored up and that the, the mission is is good to go. That's right. Uh, so uh, let's go a little bit bigger picture to think about partnerships. We're now about, you know, 10 years since there was officially kind of this IGSA authorization. Um, where do you see that maybe we've come in terms of partnerships and where would you like to see things go beyond here? So I, I think, and I've been with the program for the last 16 months. Um, I think in the past it was a lot more, uh, meetings and talk about ideas and and so forth. I not that things weren't getting done, but I I think right now we're at the at the point where uh, our program is fairly aggressive. We've um, developed something called an inter, enterprise wide solution, where we're going out um, and making a few different uh, areas tangible to installations and bases. And it's like we said, golf courses are one of them. If a golf course is not being utilized or it's losing money and there's an option for the community to help take over, then that's an option there too. I was just up uh, at Fairchild Air Force Base a few weeks ago for their um, firing range that they just had uh, opened up uh, with, with a partnership between um, Fairchild Air Force Base and the, uh, the Sheriff's Office there in Spokane, uh, Washington. So a, a great uh, venue, uh, it will save uh, time and effort and, and money in the long run. And there's also in, interest from other bases along the way too that have reached out to, to them. We've worked here recently as well with uh, dorm issues uh, on base seem to be an issue. Uh, either it's because there's lack of uh, dorm space or they need renovating. And so we need a, a spot to house our airmen and guardians so we've, uh, in Goodfellow Air Force Base within the last year or so, uh, we've had agreements with the local colleges. So we're able to, um, for lack of a better word, uh, rent or lease some of their dorm space to alleviate some of our uh, overages uh, on our installation. So enterprise-wide solutions, a big thing. I think we're also gonna be coming out with a few other ones, uh, but we're getting a little bit more aggressive, um, allowing, um, I say, when I say aggressive, I mean that we're, more proactive with the bases, uh, pushing the envelope a little bit more so than what had been done in the past. So I think we're um, we're in a good place, and I think we can even do a little bit more. Yeah, and I think it it helps that now, like you said, there there was a lot of talk and kind of figuring things out several years ago, and now I think people are in a place where they're starting to see things work in other communities and say, oh, we we could do that, or we can follow that model, and they're starting to understand what is possible, and then stretch kind of beyond that right as well brandy you know we've got we've kind of laid the groundwork so we're not having to continually explain this the program the situation uh we're not having to run it through continually run it through contracting or the lawyers or so forth so it's it seems to be a little bit more commonplace than it was in the past which, which is great because it, uh, you know it allows for more uh, flexibility and, and freedom of movement too before I let you go, is there anything else you want to to share with with people who maybe are in these positions to be thinking about partnerships in a new way? 
You know, we, we kind of mentioned the idea of uh, Air Force Community Partnerships. Um, I, right now, we're, we're in a good place. Uh, we've got some bold solutions out there. I, we just talked about a few of them with the um, golf courses, dorms, and the firing ranges. Uh, it would also be helpful um, for bases, if they can, uh, have a full-time dedicated person, community person, uh, to work some of those issues. Currently, right now, we've got about 20% of our installations have a full-time person. Um, those people, those individuals actually make a, a big difference uh, when it comes to providing solutions um, for the installations and the, in the uh, communities. And I would also say for bases in, in uh, communities, if, uh, if you're, you might consider reaching out to us, uh, what you've done on your base uh, is, is, um, is great, but there's other um, avenues out there that other bases have completed and, and uh, accomplished that you might not have considered and uh, you might want to, you know, push your area a little bit further too. Yeah, let me, let me ask you just for a second about the, the the dedicated community outreach person. And you said it's, uh, there is that full-time person now at about 20% of, I assume, Air Force bases. Uh, about 20%. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And, and so what does that person do? Like help us, help us like fill that kind of job role out for maybe those other 80% of bases. Yep. So th those that's a full-time person. Uh, so they're working with the installation leadership. They're also working with the community leadership. They're attending uh, venues, uh, events, uh, community events, installation events along the way. They kind of have the eyes and the ears of both. So they're, they kind of have their foot in both areas, if you will, but, but also uh, obviously working on behalf of the, uh, of the installation. But they're able to um, be that conduit to find solutions for areas out there that, gosh, they may not even know they have a problem. Just as we kind of talked about some of these enterprise-wise solutions, you may be having, you may have this golf course that have been failing for years and now you think you're stuck with it. Well, you have a person like that that kind of has your ear to the ground and understands and knows the processes of what's going on at other bases and so forth. That's a solution that may, they may not have even thought of or the the dorm situation or the firing range or, or name your situation you have that dedicated person that is able to make these um agreements and and whatnot uh happen because uh because that is their dedicated job and, and they have a that's their expertise that they're able to um bring forward again that was my conversation with rick hearn of the air force community partnership program for more on military community partnerships, go to defensecommunities.org and sign up for our daily on-base newsletter. America's Defense Communities, the podcast, is a production of the Association of Defense Communities. If you enjoy the podcast, please remember to subscribe wherever you listen and rate and review. That helps other people find our show. This episode was produced and mixed by Mark Parrott with support from Isabel Zimmerman. I'm Randy Ford. Thanks for listening.